Jesus to overcome fears. And we want to start this message by showing you a video of one man who moved from fear to freedom. So I want you to check this out. Kylie and I have attended for probably seven years now by ourselves. Uh, I always would sit there and see other people with their spouses and wish that I had that. And I wanted more for Kylie. I wanted her to have um, a spiritual leader in our house because I've been trying to do that by myself and I'm not good at it. And I know that the reason I'm not good at it is because I wasn't the one who was supposed to be leading our home in it. Um, it was supposed to be Corey doing that. Growing up, grew up mostly in predominantly Jewish household. Um, so we had talked about Jesus, but it was always, hey, he's a good prophet, but he's not the son of God, son of man. Went to church a couple times, some friends of mine, uh, just for Easter or Christmas service, but never really was even active in a church or a temple for a number of years. Um, always believed in God, but never a big fan of organized religion. Uh, when I met my wife, Sonia, she started going to Genesis, and I didn't want anything to do with it. Uh, kind of said that on Sunday my church was football, so I went to football church. I didn't go to an actual physical church. Uh, so I didn't feel a need to go to organize, attend religion. I said, I don't need that. I'm good. Kind of last year had some bouts of depression, uh, thoughts of suicide. And... Uh, Hold. Something was missing, and I didn't know what. All right, let's find out more about Christianity as a faith. Find out more about Jesus, because I knew about Jesus from my Jewish background in the historical sense but I don't, didn't know Jesus in the spiritual sense. I'm going, okay, what's, what's stopping me? And it came to me, light as day. It was almost like a billboard was in front of me. It was fear. Fear. The most rational emotion that we have as humans is fear. Uh, and I said, okay, God, fear. I'm afraid. I'm afraid to let go fully, to accept to say to God and to say to Jesus and to accept his son Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior because I won't be in control anymore. You know, I'm not going to be in control of my life. Uh, to say, I'm going to give, I'm going to give myself fully to your son to guide my life. I'm not in control. Fear is uh, something we all experience in some shape or form, isn't it? Hey, if you've got your Bible with you, I want to invite you to take it and turn to Matthew uh, chapter 28. Uh, you'll notice around the room there are some Bibles on the floor too. Feel free to grab one of those if you'd like to, to follow along with us. Page 698 in those Bibles, Matthew 28. We'll get there uh, in just a moment. But what, what, what types of things are you afraid of? 
You know, can, I, can I be honest with you about something? Can I let you in on a little secret? It's thunderstorms for me. And, uh, and now maybe more so when I was a kid, I'd like to think as an adult now, it's more of a fascination uh, with thunderstorms. But as a kid, I was terrified of thunderstorms. Uh, it, it wasn't uncommon. I, I slept uh, on the second floor of our home in central Illinois. And I'll tell you what, if it thundered in the night, like even if it were one or two states away, I'd hear it, all right? I'd hear that rumble of thunder and I'd jump out of bed. I'd grab my sleeping bag. I'd race down the stairs, unroll that bag next to my parents' bed because I was absolutely absolutely terrified of thunderstorms. Again, now today it's more of a fascination, all right? I'm a grown man now, all right? I got to model, you know, bravery for my kids. And so it's more of a fascination now. But I think the way that I cope with uh, what was once a fear for me is I always got to know what's going on. And so if there's a watch, if there's a warning, I've got the news on, I've got the radar on. And so I am fascinated with these storms. In fact, I'll send my family to the basement and I'll go to the front porch, all right? Somebody told me after the first service, that's what you do if you live in Oklahoma, so maybe I got a little Oklahoma in me, but I always have to know what's going on. But how about you? Like, what, what, what are those things that you're, you're afraid of? Maybe even those uh, smaller uh, sort of things. There's a, a whole list of phobias, and uh, they've actually given names to some of the more common fears that we have. And so I was thinking, uh, as just a little bit of a, a test or a game, I'm going to put a phobia on the screen, and you shout out, you let me know what it's a fear of, all right? And so we'll, we'll start with one that's easy, all right? So how about this first one here, arachnophobia? Spiders, right? We all know it's a fear of spiders. And like even, like even just the picture gives you a little bit of the heebie-jeebies, doesn't it? All right, you know, just the thought of one of these guys crawling up your neck. How about this next one? Cholrophobia. Anybody know what this is? I hear a little bit of chatter maybe. How about this? The fear of clowns, right? That guy will terrify you, won't he? All right, or, or how about this next one? This next one's relevant. Politicophobia. Anybody have a, a guess what this one is? This next picture will show you what that is. All right, this is the rest of our year, folks. All right, this is, this is what we get to deal with. Uh, how, how about this next one? It's homilophobia. Anybody know what that is? If you break the word up, it's the fear of sermons, all right, or fear of messages. This is my fear, all right? This is of looking out and seeing any, any of you uh, sleeping during this message today. Uh, finally, this last one, thanatophobia. Anybody have any idea what this one is? It's on the little more serious side. It's the fear of death. It's the fear of death. And, and I think if we were honest with, with ourselves, if you were honest with yourself here today, we'd probably all acknowledge that for every single one of us, there's... There's probably some fear of death. It's a, it's a fear, it's a phobia that, that so many different people share. How, how many of you have ever heard of or seen the website deathclock.com? Any, anybody ever run across this site before? It's real. Uh, it's out there. I found it a few years back and was looking at it again this past week. There's a website, this deathclock.com. You go, you put in your age, you put in your height, you put in your weight, you answer some questions you know, about lifestyle. It calculates an estimated death date for you, all right? And so uh, it gives you your estimated date of expiration uh, if you would. And so I did this and uh, I, I got my date uh, this past week. Do we have this here? Friday, July 2nd, 2059. Now, two things that rubbed me the wrong way about this. Number one is why a Friday? Like, you know, I mean, you know, I, my, I'm going to check out. I want to check out on a Monday, right? I don't want to check out on a Friday. Friday is my day off. But uh, July 2nd, 2059. Here's the other thing that rubbed me the wrong way. Our executive pastor, Steve Wallen, did this exact same thing and he got 2066. And that frustrates me. 
me because he's like 20 years older than I am, you know, but yet got an extra seven years at uh, the exact same time. But uh, if you do this, uh, once you get your date, there's actually a little counter that pops up on the screen and it's, they calculate the seconds that you have left and one by one they click down. And so I have like 1.1 billion some seconds left. And then there's this friendly little note that your life is slowly ticking away, right? Uh, it's a real uplifting site. I recommend it to all of you, you know, it's a, be a great conversation piece at uh, your Easter uh, dinner this afternoon. But uh, there's something else on this site too, that once you have your date, once you know what your estimated date is, there are some buttons that you can click. One of those are are just different options, if you would like, next steps that you can take. And so one of those buttons is an option to extend your life, all right? And so you click that button, you know what the answer is? Vitamins, right? It's uh, it's an advertisement for vitamins. So you know nothing a little Flintstone tablet you know can't can't help you with. The, the second option is uh, they'll assist you in writing your obituary. Uh, they'll assist you in planning your funeral. Now I don't know about you, but that's not really my idea of a good time. All right, to uh, to take these sort of next steps. But I, I'd say this. You know, if there's one thing that I was reminded of, even as I was kind of fishing through this this past week, it's this that there's a reality that every single one of us face, and that is that with each day, our, our bodies are passing away. Uh, for every single one of us, you know, slowly but surely, you know, our, our earthly bodies are passing away. And maybe, maybe the thought of that uh, terrifies some of you today. Uh, maybe that scares you. Maybe, maybe that's a fear that, that, that threatens to, to consume every part of your life. But, but here's the hope that we have. Here's the good news for us that we're reminded of here on this Easter Sunday. It's this reminder that when you believe that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead, you don't have to be afraid anymore. You don't have to live your life in fear. I mean, when we look to the cross and we know the power of the cross and the fact that there's an empty tomb, we don't have to be afraid anymore. You don't have to live your life in fear. In fact, if you're taking notes today, uh, kind of the big idea that I want to share with you this morning, really it's our whole morning, is this. It's that the resurrection of Jesus Christ means that we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to live our lives in fear. Now let's take a look at uh, those passages there in the book of Matthew for just a few minutes uh, here today, Matthew 28, verses 1 to 10. I want to look at this historical account uh, that Matthew records about the resurrection of Jesus, and and then we'll just talk for a few minutes about how this might uh, play in your life even starting this afternoon. But Matthew 28, starting in verse 1, uh, Matthew, here's how he records this historical event of Jesus' resurrection uh, from the tomb 2,000 years ago. He writes, after the Sabbath... At dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Now, how would you like to be known as the other Mary? Like, like that's just how you're remembered. Like, I sort of wonder if she had a strained relationship with Matthew from this day forward that really seriously, you're just going to remember me as this other Mary. But uh, he records that Mary Magdalene was there. You can read about her uh, in the Gospels. And then this Mary, who many believe is the sister of Jesus' mother. And then if you turn over to the Gospel of Mark, if you look at Mark's account, of Jesus' resurrection, he also records another woman that was present, a woman by the name of Salome. We know that she was the mother of James and John, who were disciples of Jesus. And we know that all three of them had been at the cross on Friday when Jesus died. And now three days later, all right, this day after the Sabbath or this Sunday, they're going to the tomb. They're going out of custom where they're going to anoint the body of Jesus. Now, that was just basically a symbol of love and respect. I mean, much like you or I would go to the graveside of someone that we love today and leave flowers, 
Verse 2, Matthew writes, there was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. Now, if you know this story at all, you know that uh, the gospels record that when Jesus was crucified, that there was a great earthquake at that moment when he died. All right. But we also see here that there's now this other earthquake on the, uh, the day after the Sabbath. And this isn't just a tremor. This isn't just some sort of aftershock. Like this earthquake is a symbol of the world's most defining moment. All right, this is the moment that God is raising his son, Jesus, from the dead. And I just love the picture I got to add. I, gotta, I love the picture of the angel in the story. If you caught that detail, the angel is sitting on top of the rock, you know, almost as a sign of, hey, yeah, look what we did. All right, you know, that the victory has been accomplished and just the confidence in that moment. But if the impact of this earthquake, if the, the sight of the stone uh, rolled away wasn't enough, the presence of the angel was enough to really strike terror into the people who are going to come across him. Verse 3 says his appearance was like white lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. Verse four, it says, the angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He's risen just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Now, what was his message to the women? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. He has risen just as as he said. And what you should know is that Jesus had given his disciples at least three predictions of both his death and his resurrection. And so now he's done just that. I mean, he's come through just as he said he would. And he does that, by the way. That's how he works. That's how he operates. And in verse 7, it says, then go quickly, the angel told them, and tell his disciples. He's sending these women with this message. He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. And so these three women are given the charge from the angel to take this news of Jesus' resurrection, to go and to find the disciples and to share the good news of his resurrection. And there's just something interesting about this uh, detail. Uh, Lee Strobel, in his book, for the, the, the Case for Christ, says that one of the reasons why he believes and became a believer, really, in the resurrection is this particular detail here, that, that, that when he discovered that, that the women were the first uh, messengers of this particular message, and he points out, and here's why, he points out that in this particular day and in this particular culture, a, women's, a woman's testimony had almost no credibility. Uh, for example, they, they weren't even allowed to testify in a court. They were barely permitted to speak uh, in public. And so think about that if you would. If, if you were going to conjure up a story about a fake resurrection, why in the world would you lean on the testimony of a group of women unless it's true, unless it's precisely how it happened? Verse 8, Matthew writes, so the women hurried away from the tomb. They were afraid yet filled with joy and ran to tell his disciples. And then verse nine, suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet and worshiped him. Now in the Near East and in this particular time of history, it was a sign of respect or a homage to, to fall down and to, to cling to the feet of another, especially someone of royalty. And so that's what they do. These women, they see Jesus and immediately they recognize him for who he is and they fall to his feet. And then verse 10, and look at Jesus' words to them as he speaks into them now, this resurrected Savior. He says to them, say it with me, do not be afraid. Say it again, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. See, this moment, this encounter 
is going to be the real game changer, not only for these women, but so many others, because it was a reminder. It was the new beginning of, of just this reminder that we don't have to be afraid anymore. We don't have to live our lives ruled by fear. And the truth is, and for those of us here today, uh, and if you're here and if you know Christ as your Savior, if you've trusted him as the Lord uh, of your life, the resurrection of Jesus reminds us that we don't have to live our lives in fear either. You don't have to be afraid anymore. And at the same time, what Jesus said to these women on Easter, maybe those are the same words that you need to hear today. Maybe this is precisely why God has brought you here today to hear Jesus say to you those very same words. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to live your life in fear any longer. You know, those words, you don't have to be afraid, are one of the, is one of the most repeated commands in all of Scripture. You, you read through the Old Testament, you read through the New Testament, you'll come to this, uh, these words over and over again. I mean, Jesus reminds us, you know, in the New Testament that we don't have to be afraid in all of our circumstances, like even in those moments when you're questioning your life or questioning whether your life really matters to anyone or matters to God. What Jesus said, he says to us, like in Matthew 10, 31, when he says, you don't have to be afraid. Your life is worth so much, so much more. Or when you're going through frightening times and because of those frightening times, you're not sure what tomorrow holds or what next week holds for you. Just like Jesus has reminded his disciples in Matthew, he says to you and me, take courage, it is I. You don't have to be afraid. Or when we're facing questions about our own purpose, when we face questions about our own value or our own worth, or we've got nowhere to turn, he reminds us just like he did in Mark 5, 36, when he says, take courage inside, don't be afraid, just believe. When you're struggling with things like purpose and direction, we're reminded of what Jesus said to his disciples in the gospel of Luke, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll fish for people. Or when you're trapped by fear, or when you're thoughts about where this world is headed, maybe concerned over what happened in Brussels and when something like that might happen in a city like ours, Jesus wants to comfort us with his same words and his presence when he says, don't be afraid. See, the resurrection of Jesus means we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to live our lives in fear because Jesus defeated death. You and I, we don't have to be ruled by things like anxiety and worry and fear and, and, and despair. Man, what is it for you? I mean, what threatens to overtake you today? What, what is it that consumes you? What is it that you find yourself thinking about or worrying about more than anything else? You know, for some of you here today, it could be a relationship right now. And uh, maybe for you, as you look at that relationship, you know there's been some good seasons, but you know right now that it's not a good season and you're not sure where this is going. I want you to be able to hear the resurrected Jesus say to you today, you don't have to be afraid. Uh, for some here, it could be a health-related concern. And uh, maybe you visited the doctor recently, and so you've got some difficult news. Or, or maybe you're afraid to go to the doctor because you're afraid of what you might find. I want you to hear the resurrected Jesus say to you today, you don't have to be afraid. It could be worry. It could be anxiety over something like money and finances. Hear Jesus say to you, you don't have to be afraid. Maybe it's politics and it's things like the November election. You know, hear the resurrected Jesus say to you, you don't have to live your life in fear. Could be terrorism, could be the thought of another shooting, and maybe it's the fear of death. And for you, when you, you find yourself uh, thinking about death, it's questions about your day or your time or what that's going to be like or what's on the other side of it all. With the resurrected Jesus, 
We don't have to live in fear. We don't have to be ruled by those sorts of fears. We don't have to be consumed by fear anymore because the empty tomb is good news for us. The empty tomb is the reminder that God wins, that death is defeated. And because Jesus rose from the dead for us, we don't have to live our lives in fear. And what Jesus said to those women 2,000 years ago on that Easter morning, on that resurrection morning, he wants to say to you and to me today, I don't want you living your life in fear anymore. I want you living your life and living it for me. And it got me thinking this past week as I was thinking about Jesus speaking those words um, I got to think, you know, what gives him the right to make such a claim? How can he say words like these with such confidence? I, I want to give you three things briefly, very quickly, uh, three things that I think show us why Jesus has the right to make such a claim. The first thing is this, in the resurrected Jesus, we realize we've got a Savior. We have a Savior. I mean, it, he, he's the Son of God. He's the one who came to the earth as a man, and he came to earth, and he lived his life fully dependent on God. He lived a perfect life, and then he gave up his life on the cross to satisfy the penalty of our sins. And here's the truth for us. We can't do what he did. All right? we, we, we can't take care of that sin problem on our own. We can't solve those regrets or those past mistakes on our own. Now, sure, we need to repent of our sins and, and turn from those sins, but we can't make up for the penalty that's associated with our sins, with the sin of the world. Jesus had to do that. He had to resolve that. It's kind, it's kind of like this. How many of you uh, have a mortgage right now uh, or some kind of loan that you're paying on. I'm, I'm assuming probably most of us. Uh, think about it like this. If you've got a mortgage, uh, you're probably sending in a monthly payment uh, by check or electronically or something. You're paying a, a fixed price. But imagine this. Imagine this next month you send your payment and then you get a note, uh, a notice that says, hey, somebody has paid off your mortgage for you and so you're debt free. Nah. That doesn't sound too shabby, right? And that's a good day. Like, that's Hawaii. Like, you're, you're taking a trip to Hawaii or something. I mean, uh, because the reality is that you're not going to keep paying that payment if it's already been paid, right? I mean, none of us is foolish to do anything like that. But do you know what? We do that with God all the time. And what he says to us is, I, I've, I've paid the price with my son. And yet we keep trying to pay that debt. We keep trying to make up for our own mistakes when we don't have to because if you're in Christ, he's already paid the price. He's already paid the penalty, the price for your sin and for my sin, and he chose to do that. And so there's no greater example of love than that. There is no greater example of love than what Jesus did for us on the cross. John records it like this in John chapter 3. These are the words of Jesus. He writes, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Now, we all know that verse, but verse 17 is just as good, all right? Verse 17 says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Can I just ask you here this morning, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you, have you trusted him with your life and with your forgiveness and with your salvation? And I want you to consider the difference that can make in your life starting today. The second thing that we see in Jesus is that we also have a Lord. Uh, now, that word Lord was a frequently used word for Jesus uh, in the New Testament. I mean, to call him Lord means to recognize him as your leader of your life. It means to recognize him as the provider in your life. It means to recognize him as your director. Uh, it means to, to recognize him uh, as your guide and, and so, many, so much more. Uh, because Jesus defeated death, he is 
the Lord of all. Paul records it like this in Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 15. He says, the Son, he's talking about Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. He says, hey, here's what a Lord is like. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. In everything, so that in everything. And for us, that reminds us that in your conflict right now, and in your challenge, in your problem, in your difficulty, whatever it may be for you, he is Lord of all. He is the Lord of all. But here's the thing. You got to decide to let him be the Lord of all. He's not going to force that on you. You've got to decide to let him be Lord over you. I mean, it's up to you to choose whether you will surrender your will and even your fears to him and let him take those. And one of the benefits of calling him Lord and letting him be Lord of your life is we're reminded daily that I don't have to carry this. I don't have to live my life in fear anymore. And the last thing, number three, is that in Jesus we see we have a king. And in Revelation 17, we read that he is not only the Lord of lords, but he's the king of kings as well. And then in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, the writer says, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation, which, you know, if you've ever wondered, what's God like? What's he really like? Look to Jesus. Man, we read it right here in this word that we're supposed to look to Jesus to see what God is really like. Uh, sustaining all things, Jesus says, by the power of his word. And here, here's what he records. He said, after he had provided purification for sins, meaning after he had died and had risen, he ascended into heaven. And what did he do? He sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to others, I, to, to theirs. I, I like how one theologian, N.T. Wright, describes the resurrection of Jesus as God's announcement of a new world. It's his announcement of a new kingdom, one where he's in charge now on earth as it is in heaven. And God's being in charge is focused on one person, Jesus Christ, being our Savior, being our Lord, and being our King. And the resurrection, it proves it. It proves it for us. See, here's the thing. It's so easy to be overwhelmed by fear. And I'm reminded of that. I was reminded of that this past week. And on Thursday morning, maybe like some of you, when word came out of a potential threat to one of our local schools, and like just in that moment, I quickly realized, wow, how, how quickly, you know, I can be overtaken and consumed by fear. And I don't know what gets you today. I don't know what that is for you. I mean, maybe it's a, a note like that. Maybe it's a potential threat like that. Maybe it's something like terrorism. Uh, maybe it's it's cancer or the fear or the thought of something uh, like cancer. Maybe a, a fear for you, a fear that you deal with is, you know, just wondering, you know, what comes next? And even looking over this next, this next year, this upcoming year, you know, who will be our president? Hey, here's the thing. No matter who's elected president, Jesus is still king, all right? He, he's still king above and beyond uh, this world. And because he's the king of kings, it means the whole world belongs to him the whole world. And if we're in Christ, we're a part of his kingdom. We get to be a part of his work. We get to be a part of this message that he wants all of the world to hear. See, the resurrection reminds us that we don't have to be afraid. 
and we can live for him because of it. And the power of that truth is making a difference in so many lives, including Corey's. I want you to check out the rest of his story. He had gone with me and our family for Christmas Eve because the kids were singing the first song in the service and um, Kylie really wanted him to go and hear that. When I was standing up on the stage, I could see my dad and the rest of my family there. It was really cool because I don't think I've ever seen like the whole entire family smiling before, just like looking down on it. And the message was great that night. And I don't know if that's what started it for him or if something had been working in his heart previous. But from there, um, he just kept coming back. Previous to that, he had already been asked to go on the Haiti team for February. I had always been interested in Haiti. So it was just odd that God said, this spot's opened up, did I want to go? Yes. Before going to Haiti, I was looking for a sign. I needed a sign, I needed a feeling to say from God that boom, here you go. You're going to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I needed a sign. I needed to kind of understand what was stopping me from doing that. I kind of figured, okay, does God have a plan here? He wants me to go to Haiti. Why? On that roof in Haiti, told my story. Uh, again, some of the feeling, needing to fill that longing. And somebody on that rooftop said, can we pray for you? And I said, you know, I, Corey Bowen, accept Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, and I'm trying to get through it without, you know, being all emotional. That didn't happen. <laughs> I got, Corey FaceTimed us from Haiti. He broke down just crying. And he told me, he goes, I accepted Jesus Christ. And I just lost it at that point, too. It was really great. I mean, he shared, um, he realizes that he's been broken and he's being built back up. And I've been sitting on the sidelines watching God break him. And as hard as that's been to see, it's also been really, really amazing. So every day I think I'm giving up a little bit more to Christ and, and saying, you know, I want to be a vessel for Christ. I want to be a vessel for God to say how wonderful it is to accept Jesus Christ. Um, all the pain and suffering doesn't go away. You still have things to work on, but... You know, I feel a lot better than I did previous to that point. When I have those feelings of fear and, and uh, some of the negative emotions that happen in my life, I think now I'm able to look at Scripture and kind of get some uh, guidance from Scripture and also pray. Pray on it and pray for uh, guidance. Think about it, you have, you have the power of, you have the power of a loving Father behind you. pretty great. <laughs>
Hey, listen, I know that deathclock.com is a joke. Uh, there's nothing scientific about it. And, but I do know this, whether I've got 10 years or I have 50 years, I want to live my life for something that truly matters. And I know that 100 years from now, the car I drove, the house I lived in, where I, my kids went to school, none of that will matter. The only thing that will matter is my relationship with Jesus Christ. And the same is true for you. Your relationship with Jesus is the only thing that matters in this world. So what's holding you back today? I mean, if there's a step that we can take to enter into that relationship, if there's a step that we can take to deepen that relationship, you know, for some of us, maybe for most of us, there's always something that's holding us back. There's always something that threatens to get in the way. But uh, we want to take an opportunity here this morning to name that and to leave it at the cross of Jesus Christ to say, you know what, that died with our Savior. And because he rose, I don't, have to, I don't have to be ruled by these other things anymore. And so when you came in today, you should have received a, a black piece of paper cut in a square uh, like this if you want to take it out and just kind of hold on to it for just a moment. And uh, it's on a black piece of paper just to ensure your privacy because we want this to be just a private moment between you uh, and the Lord. And here's what's going to happen. In just a moment, the band's going to continue playing. They're going to lead us into a song. And uh, there are some pens in the seat backs around you if you don't have one and if you want to participate in this. And what we want to do is we want to just invite you to name that thing in your life that's maybe consumed you, trapped you, that one thing that's holding you back today. And in just a moment as the band sings to get up from your seat and to walk forward and to leave it at the cross and to say, I'm not going to be ruled by this anymore because Christ is risen from the dead. I'm not going to live in fear uh, any longer. You know, maybe for some of you, maybe your story is similar to Corey's. Maybe it's those same fears that are holding you back. And maybe today's the day that you need to trust Christ as your Savior and just name that on this piece of paper and then leave it at the cross. You know, maybe for some of you, maybe you've trusted Christ as your Savior, but if you really examine your life right now, you know, I'm not letting him lead. He's not the Lord of my life. And there are all sorts of things that get in the way from that happening, so many things that prevent us. Sometimes it's a pattern of sin. Sometimes it's just because we're so busy, we don't even have time for God. And so maybe there's something like that that you need to name today as a way of saying, he's going to be the Lord and the leader of my life. Or maybe for some of you, you've trusted Christ as your Savior, but you are drowning in fear at the moment. And you need to remember today that he is King of kings and Lord of lords. And so maybe there's a fear that you need to name. And in just a moment, walk forward and leave it at the cross as a way of saying, Father, I am trusting you and your son, the one who has risen from the dead. And I don't want to live my life in fear anymore. Let me pray for you. Father, by raising your son from the dead, you declared victory over any fear that might threaten to ruin us over anything that might ever attempt to hold us back. Will you help someone here today see and believe that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead can raise them, can raise us to life too. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.